this is Carrie Karanen, and you are listening to the Toonami Faithful Exclusives. And you know stars better listen up, you pigs in human clothing! Hello and welcome to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and I am joined by my co-host, Darrell. How you doing, folks? Darrell's on an interview, everybody. This is exciting. I know, right? Ooh, good job, Darrell. Always keeping a black man out of the interviews. Oh, hush. We are delighted to be joined by, oh gosh, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, It's Carrie Karen. Okay. (laughs) And if we're keeping you out of the interviews, then what are you doing on this interview? Nobody else Mm, could show. Show. Plus, I, I got you're like you're like always keeping the black man out of the interview, but you're like on the interview, so that logic doesn't exactly work right now. <laughs> no, right? I'm no, just curious. Just, like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I just, just wanted to make sure to I re- wasn't confused. <laughs> no, it's just my way of rebelling and calling them out for keeping me off. Because <laughs> stuff like this happens. <laughs> maybe you're just maybe you're just not a nice person. No, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm the nicest person you ever meet in your life. Well, then maybe Sketch is just a jerk. What? Yeah, he is. What? You know what I mean? He doesn't have to be a racist. He could just be a jerk. Oh, he is such a jerk. You know, he really is. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know yet. I just, I just got on the phone, so I'm confused, you know? So I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. It never fails. Every time we have an actress on, they say I'm a jerk. Cassandra well, said it. Michelle fair. said it. To be fair, I said maybe oh, you're a okay, jerk. Well. I, he, then, then, then he confirmed it, and then now you've confirmed yeah. it. It's but better I, to be I was, not I a jerk than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> but huh. this is a this is a podcast interview, so you're definitely going to open your mouth and remove all yeah, doubt. Yeah, that that is <laughs> right. I love how we started on such a wonderful, loving, friendly. Building trust and team. I know, right? We're like, oh wow, this this interview went like downhill right out of the gates, huh? <laughs> right or out of the uphill, gates. depending on how you look at it. I know we have nowhere to go but up from yeah. here. Like keeping it classy, keeping it classy. Right. Well, Carrie, why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Well, I was originally I'm originally from Michigan, and I lived in New York for a long time, and I'm now out in LA. And um, I've been doing voiceovers and all sorts of other, like, acting adventures. And um, I do a a bunch of traveling, and that's been awesome. And uh, I have – I obsessively read. I have to be careful about starting a new book if I have work or projects to work on because I will just stop doing everything to finish reading. And I've been known to, like, just spend an entire weekend finishing a book. Um, So, yeah, there's a few little tidbits about me. All right. I'm a heavy librarian now. I know. I know. It's pretty, it's pretty terrible. I also have to be really careful with like binge watching. I don't watch that much television because I can get myself into trouble. I actually hadn't seen any of Game of Thrones ever. And I started watching it over the Uh holiday weekend, like Saturday morning. And I, between Saturday morning and Monday night, I had watched the first three seasons and I'm now like almost done with season five. And that was, and I was working all week long and I had two live performances two nights this week. And I was like on set for two full days and I still have found a way to watch another season and a half. So it's pretty terrible. I have a problem. I understand that. So I try, and everyone's like, oh, well the next show you should, I'm like, no, no next show I'm binge watching. I get to do this like once a year and then I have to be careful the rest of the time. I can't like just 
like let my whole life fall down the rabbit hole of just like watching you know, Netflix and HBO Go. We all have that problem. I know. It's sort of terrible, this new thing where they're like, here's the whole season. You're like, no, there goes a day and a half of my life. Or more. (laughs) Yeah, depending on the season. And if you start something really late, like, my friends used to give me such a hard time about Game of Thrones. They're like, you're not watching it. I was like, listen, they're like, just try, just get on. It's on on HBO Go. Just go look at it. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't have, like, I don't have, you know, four days to lose. They're like, no, 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 just, like, watch a couple episodes. I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like, I watched until, like, I started, like, I popped two blood vessels in my eye because I was just, like, staying awake too late and, like, not watch and not turning it off and going to bed. I was like, one more episode, one more episode. They don't understand. They don't understand the sickness. They don't understand the sickness. It's kind of a good thing that my internet broke today because... Honestly, I might have finished season five. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was in the middle of one of the episodes when all of a sudden the internet went down. I was like, no! Oh, that's the worst. What am I supposed to do now? But You're going to get more followers after this interview. <laughs> the, good news is, the good news is that like all my friends who are diehard fans, I'm able to like text them as I'm watching it because I'm not, I don't have to worry about any spoilers, you know, because everyone's already seen it. But I'll be like, Dude, what's up with this chick in the red, the fire chick? Does she get more interesting? Because she's annoying the crap out of me right now. Like, Jesus, get off the screen. I can't tell if it's just badly written or if she's a terrible actor. Like, I'm, like, totally bitching. I'll be like, oh, I got to the wedding. I got to that wedding part. And then my friend was like, uh, he, you know, he emailed me. He texted me back. He's like, you know, he's like, you shouldn't be watching the show right now. It's not, you know, he's like, it's like watching, like, being like, hey, what was that movie with the, about the, about, what was that movie called Psycho, where the guy turns out he's dressed up like his dead mother and he's killing everyone, or that one with, like, Bruce Willis where everybody's dead and the kid thinks he sees him, but he's really dead, you know, like, that I already know all the major plot points. But all I know is I was like, well, you know, something bad happens at a wedding, you know, and and there's so many weddings, I didn't know which wedding it was, you know. That's a fair point. But, you know, so I'm just like, oh, but I do feel like, oof, something that all the, like, all the killing, I think I've just watched too much, like, people getting stabbed with, so you start to, the sound they make, the sound that they make, like, the sound of the sword going into the body. I think I've heard that sound too many times in the last five days. I think it's messing with me. <laughs> you start hearing it out I don't of recommend, nowhere. The point is that I don't recommend it to anyone. Well, I start to be like, I was like, ooh, I get nauseous now when I hear that sound. I definitely have heard it too mm. much in a short period of time. and i also text i was like i know everyone die you know like you know that like the whole idea is like don't get attached to anyone because they're probably gonna die and then the one dude i was like oh i broke my rule i got attached and he got killed i'm sad now it's always the one you get attached to i know you got to be careful i was like i'm not getting attached to any of these characters and then one of them i got attached to anyway so game of thrones uh what else were we talking about (laughs) So that's my Game of Thrones moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Believe it or not, I have avoided watching any of it up to this point. Do you think I should start? Should I go down the rabbit hole? Yes. yes dude, dude, I, it depends. Like, do you want to be effective in any way over the next five <laughs> days? Or do you want to just feel like a total slob and, like, have really fucked up dreams? That's your like choice. You, it ain't like you do shit anyway. Well, Love you, Sketch. Right. I mean, that's really your choice. Like, it's really a quality of life choice, yeah. you know? The, the show's good. It's just a quality of life choice. But maybe you have more, um, more uh, 
uh, restraint than I do. Like, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, yeah, I started binge watching. He's like, yeah, me too. And I was like, yeah, I got through three seasons in three days. He was like, I did it in three months. And I was like, sucker. <laughs> you could have done that in three days and had like, no life for three days. Three months. Come on now. Who takes three months to binge watch? That's, That's not, not binge watching. watching. That's not binge watching, you know? You can't call yourself a binge watcher and take three months to get through three three seasons. No. You know. Look up the definition anyway, of binge watcher. So clearly this is like completely absorbed my life because all I've been talking about for the last 15 minutes is Game of Thrones. But I am looking forward to like next season when I can, you know, be in on the dialogue instead of just like hearing people and just not understanding any of the references. It's important to finally feel like you're a part of the popular culture. It is. It is. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I get it now. I get, I've had so many voiceover auditions where they're like, it's like Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'll just make something up. You know, you're like, you're like watching clips and you're like, okay, sort of. I have an idea, maybe-ish. But now I look back, I was like, oh, I would have done way better on all those auditions if I had seen the show and known the reference. <laughs> this has turned into a discussion of how important it is to be up to date with modern pop culture. It really is because Thrones. these references, I mean, these references, like everyone in all advertising, they all like in video games and advertising, they all use these things. Like tomorrow I have an audition for something and they're referencing Amy Schumer. You know what I mean? They like, and like, you know, four years ago, it was like they would reference Tina Fey, you know, Liz Lemon or whatever. So you like, you do have to, whatever the heightened thing is in popular culture, you do have to be aware of because people start to use it as a touchstone mm. and being like, it's like this, which is really all they're saying is like, we want to be popular, like other things that are popular right now. So try to be popular. popular. Things. Yeah, yeah, just be popular so people will like it, so they'll like our product or they'll like our thing. And you're like, all right, cool. I literally have one audition. It went as far as being like, we want a voice that's going to be really distinct and isn't going to sound like anything else, but is going to be imitatable by the general public so that everyone will want to do the voice so it'll be really popular. They flat out wrote that in the like casting notice. Well, they... What they and want. you were like, okay. You're like, all right, okay, cool, thank you. <laughs> As an actor, what do you do with that? You just throw it out. I mean, honestly, most of the time, like, the character descriptions, like, once you really look at the copy, you just got to go to the copy. I mean, if they give you, like, background stuff, like, the, the background of this character is, she came from this, she grew up here, she, you know, you have to, like, that stuff can be helpful. But when they do, like, their quote-unquote description of, like, just what they want it to sound like or be like, or basically what they're saying is, like, they're just sort of trying to convey like how they want the person who's listening it to experience the voice. You know what I mean? And that's like a result. You can't you can't play a result. You've got to play something that gives the result. So ultimately, you have to go to the copy. You just got to go to the copy. And once you really look at the copy and you figure out who the character is and what, what's going on, or if it's commercial copy, you look at the copy and you see like what they're selling and what their thing is. And you kind of define that for yourself. When you then look back at the character description, you can be like, oh, yeah, I get if I execute these choices I made, it's going to feel like that. But you can't, like, but you got, you can't go backwards. You can't, like, try to capture, like, what the description is trying to tell you to be. You know what I mean? Because you're like, okay, whatever. They're basically like, we want someone likable. We want someone that people are going to respond to. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah clearly, yes. We all try to make art that people are going to respond to because that's like the other half of the art. You know what I mean? Like if we just make art and we keep it in our apartment and we never show it to anyone, like is it art? Probably not. Maybe not. I don't know. But is it art that matters? Maybe only to you because you haven't shared it with anyone. You know? So you're kind of like, okay, we get it. You, you want, you're making something. You're putting a lot of time, effort, energy, and money behind it. And you want it to reach 
others and touch others and affect others. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Cool. I'm on the same page. And you just got to like be like, cool, that's it. That's basically all that's happening. All right. Wow, I literally feel I was like, are we recording all yes. of this? Is this on? I, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like, is this already? This this interview has like been off the rails since the beginning. It's cool. It's cool. All right. It's cool. It's fine. We, we like it it's cool. when it's cool. the interview is typical. I made a joke about sounding like rambling, and I was like, I've already, I've already like what? I've already like brought up racism, Game of Thrones, and like, okay, it's fine. It's cool. It's cool. I feel 100% comfortable with that. All we're missing is sex, drugs, and alcohol, and we can complete the package. Oh, we're definitely going to get to those. We're definitely going to get to those. Awesome. Well, I mean, not the drugs and alcohol. You can take care of that stuff, because I don't do any of that. But, but I, you know. Good for you. No, I just drink a lot. So good. <laughs> you can represent that. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Since you have done live theater on camera and prelay voiceover and ADR, what do you like most and what do you like least about each uh, form of acting that you've done? Um, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, I think that one of the things I love the most about my career is that I do get to do lots of different things. I feel like it helps keep the brain like fresh and because they are all sort of different. And I think that sometimes it's like the thing that's the most it's the same answer for the thing that's like the most awesome and the most challenging um, sometimes. Well, I mean like for ADR, like clearly the technical aspect is the, is the part that's the most challenging is that, you know, you really have to fit your performance into like what's already happening and the context that's there. And, you know, sometimes you, I mean, if it's really well written and that's why I love working with Alex cause he really, he really, really, really works really hard on that. And I, I've just been lucky to work on a lot of really great projects in terms of from the um, adaption phase. Cause that's where everything either goes right or goes wrong. Cause if the uh, adaptation isn't good or like clear or specific or, you know, then you're just going to struggle with the whole recording, but really kind of like trying to lock it into the parameters. There's something really challenging about that and then the technical aspect of like oh, I got to make it fit and I got to remember the line I also have to act and I have to like stay in the right tone and you may or may not have the other people in already so you might kind of like not really know what they're doing and um but then the beauty of it is like when you do like pull that off when you are able to like make that moment like special and unique and specific and from you within all those you know strict parameters you start to be like yeah so it's always awesome when you feel like you can really get like um you can really pack in a lot of like emotion or feeling and um and just having characters who are allowed to do that you know and i'm thinking like i love the whole like ship scene in the end towards the end of kill la kill when you know satsuki and ryuko are finally kind of you know saying their peace to each other and uh i remember when i was watching the original japanese i couldn't wait to get to that scene like i mean i would cry every time and so there was times where like doing that scene specifically for me I was like, had to try and pull that scene off, do what needed to be done and like not cry myself. I'd be like, you're not the one who gets to cry right now. Like if you do it right, the audience gets to cry. I was like, you're not allowed to cry right now, Terry. They get to cry, you don't. But it's nice to have those moments inside and like deliver those inside the parameters. And then when you feel like, oh, the fans have responded well. Cause again, you like take your heart and you put it in this character and then you send it out there. And then, you know, like you hope that the fans feel it, you know what I mean? It touches their heart. And, uh, and if it, it doesn't, you definitely hear about it. So, <laughs> um, and then like live action, I think, I think just the most fun thing about, you know, prelay is just usually just being in, you get to be in the room, like working, A, you have a little bit more freedom, a little more, you can sort of move things around and, and make things sound better for your character. You know, you can kind of, 
when, when things are kind of rubbing funny, you can be like, Hey, I just feel like she'd be a little more. And you can, you have like just a little bit more wiggle room and, um, and you get to work with, uh, other people and, and hear them and have that kind of like aspect of it. Um, so that's sort of the, the fun thing about that. I think the harder thing about that is just, you know, scheduling and like not laughing at that, not laughing at them and remember, like for me also remembering like to give space, you know, cause you want to like in regular conversation, I'm very like right on top of people in the way that I talk. So I have to always remember to like, you know, not jump their line. <laughs> so there's like that like technical aspect. And then, and then like just, and then like live, like theater's awesome because of the, you know, direct feedback you get, you know, right there being live in front of an audience and with people and just the like, hey, shit can go wrong. Anything can happen. And, you know, and, and it's almost like, better when stuff goes wrong because you get to like deal with it um and you know use it as like a little gift you know and then the harder thing is for that it's like for it to, to happen like people have to show up like everyone has to be available to be there in that space at that time and I think that that's just getting you know that's more and more challenging especially in Los Angeles with uh with traffic and it's just harder to get as many things done in a day as opposed to when I lived in New York yeah and then uh yeah everything has its own like its own um challenges but I think uh I think the beauty of everything is just when you when you get to be on a project and you're just a bunch of people all getting together to work towards a common vision, it's just such a beautiful thing to see how people work together. And then the challenge is, of course, other people as well. You know, it's great to be collaborating and it's also super challenging to be collaborating. You know, if people have different ideas about this or the different, you know, working vocabularies or, or whatever. So it's like the people end up being the gift and the challenge, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I also sometimes first AD stuff and I first AD something, uh, you know, last month or a month and a half ago. And it was like, like dealing with the actors. And I love all of them, like love them, known most of them for four or five years, you know, and we were all just getting together and shooting this thing. And, uh, but it was like herding cats, man. <laughs> it was like herding cats and so many personalities going on. I was like, holy crap. Like we barely got it done. Like, we barely got it done. And I was just like, oh, man. Um, so, but it ended up being like really, and it ended up being fun, but it was also like super challenging, you know? And I just, I feel like, I feel like my whole life teeters at this like crossroads, the razor's edge of like awesome and terrible. And, uh, but apparently I just, I like it. I like that. Um, I like walking that line. All right. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> How do you follow that? Okay. She just keeps talking. She just keeps going and going, man. She just goes. We but we love that kind yeah, of we stuff. Yeah, we do. Like we a bunny. <laughs> like when you said, I usually stay right on top of people in conversation. Is like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was a very like it was a very rambunctious. I grew up in a very rambunctious house. We were the Kool Aid house of the neighborhood, wow. and it was like all dudes in the neighborhood. And I was younger than all of them, and so it was like if you wanted to be heard. If you wanted to get your statement in, like, you had to get in there, you know? So, like, I just wasn't raised in an environment like most women where it's like, oh, just, you know, quiet and this and that or whatever. It was like, get get in there or, like, get eaten alive, you know what I mean? So it was very, you know, so it was very, like, rambunctious. And I grew up, like, just playing sports and just, like, rough and tumble. So, you know, like, I get in there. I have a lot of, I have a lot more, like, when I read about, when you read about now, like, oh, you know, women, the way women tend to talk and the way male, males tend to talk and, you know, da, da, da. Like, I'm, I have way more, like, male tendencies in terms of, like, the way I communicate that I've actually, like, used to really struggle with women. You know, I didn't have that many close female friends growing up and I used to really, really struggle and, and, 
I had to really work on understanding how I needed to adjust the way that I communicated when I was speaking to women or groups of predominantly women, because I literally have to, I literally have to be conscious of, of, of how I handle myself versus like if I'm in a room full of dudes. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's been very, it's been an interesting little, uh, little journey, little journey about that. But yeah, like get it, get in and get out, get in and get out is kind of the the way that the way <laughs> we had to survive, had to survive the wolves, the wolves. So at one point along that journey of learning how to communicate, did you decide, hey, maybe I want to be an actor? Oh man, I think that like acting has always been there. I tried not to do it. I, I've tried not to do it so many times. I really like because I've been doing it since I was like younger, you know, in terms of, like school plays and things like that. And I and I really loved it. And I love the expression. I, my sister's significantly older than me, and um, and so and she also was like young for her age in school and they didn't have any like advanced programs they just advanced her in age so she graduated when she was like 16 years old or something like that right so she was like super young her um when she was graduating and I remember going to see her senior high school musical when I was like little and I just sat there in the audience like watching and having this I was just like I want to feel like this every day for the rest of my life and I want to make other people feel like this every day for the rest of my life like, I remember as a very, very young child having that thought, that experience sitting in the audience watching her and Brigadoon, you know. Um, I can't tell you anything about the story of Brigadoon. <laughs> and she was just, like, in the chorus. She, like, sold candles or something. But I remember that feeling, like, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, but you just this idea to, like, oh, that, that's so hard. It's not possible. You know, be realistic. And I also was, like, super – I was, like, I was smart. I got, like, a, I was offered a science scholarship. You know, originally I went to school for, like, economics. You know, I studied with like a specialization in Japanese and, but I was like, but I was also doing like seven plays a semester while doing 18 credits, you know? And I kept being like, all right, this is the last play. All right, this is the last play. Okay, no more plays after this. Okay, no more play. Like I tried to walk away so many times and it just, cause this idea of like, oh no, you're supposed to have a responsible life, whatever that means. And it just never, my quitting never stuck uh, until finally I just, you know, at some point you have to just go like, all right, well, I guess this is. This is what I'm doing, you know? And even now, it's, I finally got to a point where, you know, I would, I would consider myself successful in a lot of the markers that I use um, in terms of, like, when I set out to be like, all right, this is what success means to me, you know? And I feel like I've hit a lot of those. And so uh, there's still days where, you know, you get, like, all the bad news. You know, you have these days where, like, all of a sudden all the bad news happens on one day. You're like, man, uh, wow, everything on a single day, you know? And it can be very crushing. And, um... I remember a couple of years ago, I had one of those days and then the phone, the, the like fourth phone call came in. I was like, man, and you start to be like, is it even worth it? Why do you try? Like all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? You can quit. You can walk away anytime. Anytime you want to, you can walk away. But you have to walk away towards something. You can't just quit. You can't just leave. You got to walk away towards something else. You got to find something else that you want to wake up to every day because there's no perfect life. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, if you're an accountant, you never get sad or you never have a divorce or you never like your kids don't give you problems. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no life where you're not going to have to deal with all that stuff. So you might as well be doing something that like you wake up every day and you feel good about doing because you're going to all that crap's going to be there regardless. You know, it's just part of the it's just part of our experience. There's no way around the human experience. So I was like, all right, so I really made that deal. That, the day that I made that deal with myself, I really feel like I took a lot of the pressure off. And I was like, okay, you know what? 
like let things be because this is like a especially this career is really this balance of you know you put forth a lot of effort and you can't control the return you get you know what I mean you really can't I can't control whether or not roles get written for women ultimately you know I can't control whether or not a role gets written for written for a woman that is a kind of role I can play you know so you, you, there's so much you just you don't know and you you kind of like oh and you just keep going and keep going keep going I just finally I booked a job with a new studio recently and I've been trying to get I've been wanting to work with the studio for over three years it finally all ha it finally happens you know I'm recording my first session with them on Thursday you know but it's like it's been three years of me just being like staying in contact and auditioning and this and that you know and sometimes you go into a studio and your first audition you happen to book that role and then like you're in and they know you and then it kind of goes from there so you just but you got to kind of just like you just gotta at some point just say okay this is my life I accept what it is and I'm just gonna like roll with it until there's something else I want to do more I don't remember the question and I'm not sure I answered That's it all right well congratulations for achieving that goal yeah. persistence <laughs> pays off yeah you know and it also never ends you know like no matter where you're at there's always like ooh, well now I want to do blank well now and then oh I want to do blank and I want to do like there is this this great and wonderful curse about our career that is there's always more to do there's always more to grow there's always more to experience and so you have to like play this game with your mind of like yes this is the next thing I want to like do but not you know get on your case and be like oh I'm such a jerk because I haven't done it yet you know like you always have to like be kind of like watching watching your own like emotionality and, and kind of managing your own like mental game to keep moving forward and you know be like oh I would like to get there but not like start you know kicking your own ass for like where you are right now I know that you've done improv do you prefer improvisational acting or scripted acting? Um, I definitely prefer scripted acting overall, for sure. Um, I do, uh, I, but I think of the way that I approach, it's interesting because I've used this um, improvisational technique towards scripted acting. So a lot of the, um, a lot of the techniques that I use with script comes ultimately from um, improv theory. So it, uh, it's kind of a meld of those two things. Um, but I do, I do enjoy having the parameters of the script, of the words, and kind of like having the game plan for what's, what's going on. Um, I'm very attached to words. So, And I actually haven't been doing as much just straight up improv lately. Um, I just, it, it's like, you know, you got, if that's something you're gonna do, you really have to be like out doing it, like practicing it, it's its own muscle. And over time, you just sort of start to run out of hours in the day to pursue everything you want to work on, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, but I think that what's, what's really interesting is like a lot of the comedy stuff that I do, especially, they really encourage improv. So it, it is the scripted stuff, but then it, it's, then there's like, that's where you start, but then there's all this improv that happens off of it. You know, I was just doing a show called Lamprey, Weekend of Vengeance at Second City, and it was scripted, you know, it was scripted, but there was, you know, large sections with certain people that we would just go off and, like, improv sections, you know, and, like, add things or whatnot because they were all, like, really great improv actors. So it was sort of kind of this, like, strange, like, meld of us trying to make each other laugh. And it's nice to have that skill, have both skills that you can kind of go in and out and you can play with the big boys when, they, when, that, when that time comes. But, um, but yeah, I do, I sort of, I guess I would definitely tend more towards having like a scripted parameter. 
All right. You've wanted to be an actor for a long, long time, but at what point in your career did you stumble upon anime? I, when I first moved to New York, a girlfriend of mine had just gotten into casting. She's like, I'm a casting for this cartoon. You want to audition? I was like, wow, it never really occurred to me that that was, you know, a viable thing, you know, like, oh, there's people who do that. Of course there are, but I didn't really know what that was. And I went and auditioned for that. It was like a pilot. I ended up booking it, but the pilot didn't get picked up. And then about not even a year later, um, I was doing a stage play and, uh, the director was like, oh, we heard from this guy, his name is Michael Center Nicholas, and he's got, he's doing this, like, Japanese cartoon, you know, is what they called it, and th- he's looking for people, like, new talent or whatever, here's his number if you want to audition, and I was like, heck yeah, so I called him, like, that night, you know, and went in and auditioned, um, and it was for Berserk, which they didn't have a lot of script for it, it was just like, you're a mad dog, like, it was just that line, so I did that line a couple of times, you know, and and chatted with him, and then, uh, you know, five days later, he calls me up and says, hey, listen, they like you, but it's not enough copy, so how about this? How about you come in over the weekend, we'll do two hours, you can record it, we'll send it over to them, if they approve it, you've got the job, I'll pay you for it, and we'll move forward. If not, you can just consider it the longest callback you ever had. And I was like, that sounds like a fair deal to me, you know, I was interested in learning the technique and stuff, so... But they ended up keeping me and I had the job and that was like my first, that was my first anime. Um, but when I went in to meet him, I didn't really, I was like, oh yeah, it's like a, it's like a cartoon. He was like, well, it's actually, and, and he was really the ones who like sat down and kind of explained to me what the story was. And I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, this is kind of brutal. And he said, well, you know, and then he kind of explained what like anime was and that came from like manga and all this stuff. And I was like, what? And he had, he had some of it there. So I was like looking at it and. And then I realized, like, retroactively, I realized that Cowboy Bebop was actually my first anime. It's just, I didn't know what it was, you know? Like, it was on late at night, and I saw it, and I was like, what is this amazing thing that's, like, so dark and cinematic and has all this silence inside of it? And, you know, when I, when you're only used to, like, American, like, Looney Tunes and stuff, you know, you're like, what? Um, so I didn't, re- but I, at the time, I didn't realize that that's what it was. I didn't realize there was a whole a whole genre of like storytelling that was like that. Um, so it wasn't until I really started recording it that I started to understand that, that world, you know, and, and it was just, and then the more you get exposed to it, you're like, Oh wow. Cause my first ones were like cowboy bebop and then, you know, berserk. Right. And then the next thing I know, I was like, what's this magical girl show? What's seven of seven. You know what I mean? You start to be like, Oh, there's like these really goofy ones too. And then, you know, and then one like, oh, my goddess, which is just like this really beautiful story, like this beautiful kind of like kind fantasy love story, you know, and you're just like, it's just amazing how like as it unfolded, just like all the different stories that can be told inside of a single genre, you know, and I'd already read, started reading like I'd already read like comics, like American comics. So looking at like switching over to Japanese manga, I was like, oh, but, you know, it's um. I don't know. It's just like it was. It, it's it's such a it's such a different experience. And I, even now, I don't know if like I could specifically define, you know, in some sort of like very very clear like you know professorial way. Like these are the differences between anime and and American cartoons, you know. But it just like there's just like it feels like this. The ideas are richer. They're deeper. They're more like our films. They're and even in the fun, funny stuff, there's, it's just, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I would still I still struggle to try and ex- like define for myself what the differences are. Western thinking and Eastern thinking. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I, I also find that the ones that I really love are the ones I do tend to really enjoy the ones that are that are the less goofy, you know, that that do have more of this idea about like, well, who are we and what is it to be human and what does it matter? And like, what are we what are we fighting for and what's the purpose of our life? And, you know, all these kind of like how they get to these really bigger questions about our existence, you know, as opposed to just like being like, ha 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 fun and funny you know like i really do enjoy that that the genre holds those kinds of stories yeah something that's got like a more philosophical meaning to it yeah you know (laughs) things like freedom things like death note um things like well i mean like when i worked on like fate zero just like that just the quality of that that one and uh, and then of course like when i went in when i was going in for madoka magica and I was just like, just look, looking at it, I was like, what is this thing? Because I thought, you know, it's just another magical girl show. That's what I thought going in. I didn't know. And, um, but you can tell just from the visuals, you already were like, wait a second. This doesn't look like other magical girl shows, you know? And like the soundscape, there's already all, you're like, hold on a second. These elements all point towards something different than, you know, Sailor Moon, right? Yeah, the is the anti-Sailor Moon, is the dark side. Right, exactly. You know, and then you watch that, and you end up watching the whole series, and you're like, "Wow, this is a this isn't a magical girl show. This is a hero's journey." You know, like it's just like almost like textbook hero's journey. And then, and so at the end of the thing, this idea of like good versus evil. I mean, it's, you're just like, "What?" It's just so complex, you know. <sighs> Anime. Yeah. Yeah, I need a cigarette out today. Explanation right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That, Next yeah, question. that just makes you think. Oh, mammy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I mean, that's but that's the thing in the hero's yeah. journey, right? They must lose their mentor, mm-hmm. you know, and go off on their own. So she was there to teach what she taught, and then she had to go on her own, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I hope that we're not throwing Alex von David under the bus here, but when we interviewed him, oh, I hope we uh, are. <laughs> well, okay. I'm kidding. Well, I'm he, kidding. he said. That you have said that you had difficulty finding the voice of Satsuki. So if you wouldn't mind, oh, yeah. would, you, would you tell us your side of the story? Oh, yeah. Did he tell you that I texted him after my second session? I was like, listen, I understand you're going to have to fire me. Everyone gets fired at least once in their career. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm all right. Da, 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 whatever. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened. That's true story. True wow. story. True story. I was like, what is happening? I think part of what was so hard for me about Satsuki is that like I'm I tend to be a much more emotional person and scrappier, much scrappier. And she's so like collected and such as like a, like this core of leadership that she can never sound like she's out of control emotionally or out of control in any way, right? But like I especially when like I get aggressive. I'm like, ah, like I'm very like a tacky, like, you know, more like, um, uh, Ling Xiaoyu and like Tekken, you know, like, and that's more like how I am. So it was like really, really hard at first to find her, you know, leadership, her toughness, her, you know, like the queen, the, 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 the queen warrior in her without coming off aggressive. You know, and it was it was super super challenging. It, I was I was I was I was like really struggling. And then, especially since like the first thing is the fear is freedom uh, speech, and you know, like on the screen, her mouth is like huge. And it looks like she's yelling. She's got these ginormous eyebrows, and it's just like 
you know, and so like, of course, like I'm responding all that. I'm like, ah, and he's like, no, no, bring it in, bring it in, you know, and he was going for, you know, really specific performance and really, and it was just hard for me to activate every, like, to, it was hard for me to like find that dial to be able to like turn it up and down the way that it needed to. And I actually, you know, um, ended up, so I texted Alex after the second session. I was like, it's okay if you're going to fire me. And he was like, what? No, you're crazy. You're, you're fine. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You know, and he's so great and he's so, he's so supportive. So he's like, okay, listen, what is it you're struggling with? Like, what do you think? You know, and he really, like, he's really great about getting in there and helping you when you're stuck on something. So there were a couple of times, even as the thing progressed, I was like, this, this is the thing I don't understand. And then he'll be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And sometimes like, you can just get someone to like explain it differently outside your brain. Then your brain is like, oh, that instead. Cause sometimes you're just, you just have to get outside your own thinking of it. But, um, what really helped at the beginning was, um, Again, Michael Sinter Nicholas, I, I was talking to him and I was like, oh my God, this voice is killing me. I don't even know. I'm going to get fired. He was like, are you serious? I was like, I think I'm going to get fired. I don't know. And, and I, he's like, what's your, what are you, what's your problem? What's the problem? And I explained to him like what I was struggling with, you know, what I just said to you. And he was like, oh, use a pen. And I was like, what? He's like, he goes, whenever I have characters like that, that you have to really keep like narrow and clear and focused and like laser. He's like, use a pen as your sword and like, and make sure you're like, you like, you know, and he sort of described how to utilize this um, pen technique. And I started using that in my next session. And there was something about that that helped me like find the language or the tune up the body and start to connect all of the dots. And I had to use the pen for the, like this, maybe the third or fourth recording. And then very shortly after that, like I got her and then I was able to kind of set that down and just and just, you know, deal inside of that. Um, I think it was also a little bit, to be honest, I was a little intimidated by the character. I was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't certain I could pull it off, you know? Like I heard the Japanese, I'm like, I don't sound like the Japanese, what the heck? Um, and it wasn't until episode three that I really felt like I even proved to myself that I could pull off this character, or at least that I really had something to give to the character. And then later on in the series, you know, like once you start to really have the character and, and, and stuff, and, you know, you create a dialogue with your director because you've been working on it so long, you know, then we started to do things like, you know, there's always light behind her, right? And so we, I was like, I was like, a little more, a little more light, turn up the light, turn up the bright, turn down the bright. Like we used to, um, like the, the intensity of the performance, we would use, <laughs> I would use like the backlight. I'd be like, turn up the bright, turn up the backlight, turn down the backlight. It's like our little our little joke. He's like, yeah, turn down the backlight a little bit. Yeah. No, turn it up. Turn it up the backlight. Yeah. You turn it up like, turn it up like uh, to eight, turn it up to eight. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, at first she was, that character almost killed me, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it also in a way makes it so much more satisfying, you know, because, and especially to have it received as well as it was and, you know, to have the fans like the show as much as they did, because we knew that it was really popular going, and we, we were, by the time, we started recording it before it was even done airing in Japan. So it was still like really fresh for everyone. So we knew that we were on the line, you know, and that was some of the pressure. Um, so it was very satisfying. Um, because it was so hard, it was very satisfying to feel like I pulled it off, you know, both for myself and for the fans. Um, it made it like even more like sweet. So, and also I feel like she's always going to be a really special role because just like all the things that were happening in my life and the way my life changed while I was recording that role, it's interesting. Whenever I hear a role that I did, it like encapsulates everything that I can be like re suddenly remember, you know, where I was living, who I was dating, what I was doing. Like you remember your life at that time. And so there's some roles that just stick with you because 
of the time in your life that you recorded them was so special. And I just feel like Satsuki is just going to be one of those like really signature roles for my whole life because it was such like a, a confluence of all those things, like the role itself, the project, um, my life when I was recording it. And, and then it ended up being my first cosplay. <laughs> so there was a lot, a lot to this role. Love yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I'm glad I showed up and made you oh. happy. <laughs> hey, hell yeah. Everybody <laughs> likes you in the cosplay. We yeah, I, well, you know, like, I kind of blame Matt Mercer and David Vincent for that because I was in, we were in Miami last November and I was talking to them and, you know, the Japanese actress had gone to AX the year before and dressed up in like the schoolgirl uniform and did the opening speech and I wasn't able to go to AX. I missed meeting her and I was so bummed. And so we're talking about it. I was like, oh, well, the only thing I could do now is I could, because it was also at, at Miami was when I was doing the, um, the uh, Mako speech because Christine had done the Satsuki speech at New York Comic Con <laughs> um, and I saw that I saw the video of that so I was like oh my gosh well if she's going to do Satsuki then I'm going to do Mako but I'm going to do it with all the movements right so I, yes. I had Alex send me the send me the script and I just end the clip and I just like and I rehearsed it took me three hours to like rehearse it get down the lines get down all the movements everything and then I did it on our Kill a Kill panel in Miami right because like I'm a yes and kind of girl so Christine does Satsuki. I'm going to do Mako, but I'm going to like one up it. You know what I mean? I got to like, I got to do like a little bit more. And so I heard that the Japanese actress did that. I was like, well, that only leaves me doing like active June cats. Right. <laughs> and so I was talking to them and Matt was like, it's like, oh, I was like, do you think the fans would like that? And Matt was like, Carrie, you'd break the internet. He's like, you can't. And they were both like, oh my God, Carrie, that would be amazing. They would go, they would go nuts. They would love that. And I was like, okay, maybe. But like, I just, it got in my head. It just got in my head. And I kept like teasing the, I kept teasing Alex and the producer about it. And she was really worried. She's like, no, you'll be mostly naked. And then I was like, and I talked to a friend of mine. And then I found some friends, you know, my costume director friend who did my um, costume designer friend who did all the soft parts. And then this other girl I know, Mandy Moss, who was like, just started working. She built a bunch of armor for this other show. And she was like looking for other projects. And I was like, hey, do you want to build this? And I showed her a picture. She was like, hell Yeah. And so they said yes, and yeah, next thing I know, and I talked to Tom Matt again, I was like, hey, I might be doing that. He was like, yeah, and so he was very, like, encouraging all the all along the way, and, you know, next thing I know, I just, like, I hadn't said no, so it just sort of happened, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then I got backstage, and I, like, brought on my stuff, and they were like, oh, my God, are you doing it? I was like, yeah, and I put it on, and they were like, oh, damn. So that's how that happened. But I feel like the fans really enjoy it. Like it meant a lot because I just I feel like our fans have been really great and they're really lovely. And, you know, I'm always tweeting with them. And um, and I just thought like, oh, well, won't that be like a fun thing to give back? Like I just I don't know. I just thought that would be a fun thing to give back and they'd enjoy it. And they, it seems like they did. And so it all worked out. All that hair was I felt so epic all day walking around with all that hair <laughs> swinging around the back. I'm like, I get that. I was like, this is really fun. I just kept like playing with it and like combing it. My friends were like, would you please stop playing with that wig? I was like, I can't. It's amazing. This hair. <laughs> Someone channeled their inner Sasuke. I really, I was like, now I get why her hair is always blowing in the wind. It really is that epic. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Satsuki's evolution as a character. Oh my gosh, amazing, right? I, I had to watch all the way through episode 17 just to record episode one, you know, because I had to know like what her end game was. And I, it was really awesome at first though, because I was like, oh, I'm playing my first villain. And then I was like, oh, well, I guess, I guess technically she's not 
ultimately a villain. So I was like a little dis- so that part of me was like a little disappointing because I thought, oh, my first villain. Um, but uh, but yeah, she, that was another thing that was challenging about her was this like this like turn. But it made her so fun and so exciting, and also to like listen to other people like while they're watching it, you know, like. And I'm like, you just wait, you just wait. Everyone's like, she's giving, she's giving Ryoko such a hard time. Why is she so mean? Na 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 na. And I was like, you just wait, you just wait. <laughs> um, so it was like an extra like fun thing. But it was just amazing to really see her, you know, grow. And then you know, like I said, that that scene on the on the ship with the two of them when she's saying like, okay, listen, you're right. Maybe I was too hard on you. Maybe I could have done it differently. You know, and the way that she starts to you know, have to allow other people into her life and, and their assistance in ways that, you know, she'd always really been alone and on her own. And, you know, she had her elite four, but she was always like separate, you know, there was something very separate about her and to see by the end of the show, you know, that she is kind of coming, that that they've come together, that she has a sister that, and what that means. And it was hard. It was so funny. Like when they're having the, the scene where they're all like eating I was like, um, Alex, I don't know who Satsuki is when she's happy. I've done 23 episodes and she's never smiled. So that scene was like actually pretty challenging to do. I was like, I don't know what she sounds like when she's happy. This is hard. So it was like, it, like what, a, what a gift to be able to do a character that's going to grow and change that much. And then to be able to do the OVA as well, which really, you know, because that's always the question when anything ends. It's like, well, and then what happens? You know, you've lived your whole life with this this goal and this thing, and then you've got it completed, but you're, what, 18? Now what happens? Now what you're, what's your life like after the vision is over? What's the new vision? What does that mean? And um, I just love that they had that because, you know, and, and for both sides of it, you know, both for, like, Satsuki trying to be like, well, who am I now and what does this all mean? And for Homura to be like, you know, she also had a singular focus. And who is she and what does her life mean now if that's gone, you know? And and I thought that like what a great what a great way to tag up the series with this like really important sort of existential question of, you know, what happens when we've completed that vision? Like what's the rest of our life? How do we find a new vision? You know, and you know, showing like, yeah, it's a mistake to just go back and be like, well, I'm just gonna do that again or whatever. Um, how do how do we move forward? You know, like how does one move forward? And I just thought it was such a great, great opportunity that they made that OVA. It's too bad it's not going to air on Toonami. <laughs> yeah, they're not airing it. That's sad. Well, so everyone's going to have to get the DVD or go to your friend who has the DVD. Exactly. Because it's really, it's really worthy as it's you know as a standalone follow-up, you know, epilogue. That's good. That's that's about the most I've heard about that OVA. So I'm very interested now. Yes. Oh man, am I making like spoiler? Eh, spoiler? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, there's three episodes left of the show to air, aside from the OVA. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's fine. And I mean, I guess people assume that like the show's gonna wrap up the story in some way. So I guess I haven't been like, I guess I haven't ruined anything. Okay. Anyway. Oh my god, I can't even think about the last episode. I cry. Okay. New question. New question. <laughs> new question. New. Let's see here. Before we get sad yeah. about episode 25. Oh boy. 24. <laughs> All right. Well, this question comes from friend of the show, Don East. And he wants to know, how much has Satsuki rubbed off on you? Oh my God, too much. 
too <laughs> much, too much. I really do feel like I, I've um, tapped into like my inner leader in a new way. Uh, but like, I just, um, I've definitely found myself in places like channeling her, like her, her directness, her clarity, her, you know, like when I, when I'm like speaking in front of a group of people, I have to like, it's very, it's very, po- it can be very powerful now. So uh, I have to sort of make sure I'm managing that. But I, the other thing I really do love about her is that she's so, she's so focused and she's always thinking like her strategy. She's always thinking like seven steps ahead. And that's not necessarily something that I am, I'm great about. Like I'm good at organizing things. And if I have like a goal, I'll be like, Oh, well, these are the steps you have to take to get it. But I'm not necessarily like, but the goal itself is not usually like five years out, you know what I mean? Like, um, not quite as complex. And so I definitely feel like she's in, very inspiring in terms of in terms of that in terms of, you know, really priority. You know, like that. I think that's the tricky thing about you know goal making and stuff is that oh we want to get stuff done, um, and you know and live our life and stuff and it's easy to get thrown off track if you don't if you're not really clear about your vision your target and you don't prioritize properly according to that target and it's interesting how like playing Satsuki kind of really reminded me of that because, you know, she never loses sight of the target and she never doesn't prioritize that. Mm. Doesn't matter what's happening around her. That is freaking awesome. Okay, we got another question from another one of our yeah. co-hosts from the fans. Um, this is from Jen. How did you prepare yourself for those particular scenes with Ragio affectionately referred to as Mommy Bad Touch? Oh, you know, I, you don't prepare. You're just like, you're like, oh, okay, we all know it's coming. And like, we just got in there. We're like, all right, here's the day. Like, so what are we going to do? What do we want to, what do we want to do? And we're like, okay, we're just going to match whatever they did in the Japanese. We're just going to keep it as close to that. And we're like, and it rides that line. We're like, all right, whatever. And you just kind of um, like go with it. And I think that, you know, when doing the scene, I think more, I think more like from Satsuki's point of view, like, I know it comes, again, we're talking about results, right? Like, how it comes off and the result that people take away or the impression they get, you know, isn't what I'm necessarily playing in the booth. You know, for her, it's just like, A, she has been pretty beaten down, right? Um, B, she's always a little bit uncomfortable around her mom. And C, her mom is correct. Like, the bath that she's taking is helping, like, rejuvenate her. And so, and like, there's, you know, when you are like releasing toxins and sort of going through that process, like it does have, it does have this element of being like soothing and relaxing, but also being kind of like uncomfortable because, and painful. So I just went like, I was like, all right, just play this, just play this. Like, like you're doing like releasing toxins, like just play, just, just, just play the bath, just play the bath and like not worry about all the mom stuff. And, you know, I feel like that scene must have been harder for Laura, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because like she's the active agent in the scene, you know, I'm the, I'm the inactive agent. So I feel like it must have been more uncomfortable for her. I don't know what she was working with, but I was like, I'm just going to play like I just got out of battle. I'm really, really sore and really tired and I'm in this bath and it does feel good, but I don't like this person because I secretly have a vendetta against them. And I'm just going to do that. And however it comes off is how it comes off. <laughs> just buying your time, buying your time. Right, exactly. Like, I just, you just play, like, I'm like, I'm just going to focus on the subtext and ignore. You know, in retrospect, I suppose you had to deal with a lot of that stuff in Berserk. 
<laughs> oh god yeah i forgot when we recorded the three the trilogy the movies recently you know i like i swear oh, yeah, every, every session i had was like a, a, a rape or like an attempted rape or whatever and like you know michael and i are just like he's like all right and i was like all right you know you just kind of go okay we know it's coming you know what's happening you know so but i mean but but i also feel like i do i do feel like both of them fit the world you know, I don't feel that they're extraneous. You know, Berserk is, was a, like, she's the only woman on the battlefield during a brutal time. Men like to use, you know, rape at, like, even now, even now in war, men use rape as a tactic, you know, as a control tactic. So it's like, it's not superfluous. It's, you know, and the good news is that, you know, they're never successful. Well, sort of until the end, which is like a whole other thing. But um, so you kind of go like, okay, it makes sense within the context. So it doesn't feel like you don't feel like because when when you feel like it's gratuitous or it's just there or you know what I mean, then you're like, what you you don't want to do it. But you're like, okay, I get it. I get that like men on a battlefield who want to like hurt and dominate a woman are going to go to that. Okay, fine, no problem. She can handle her own. She's going to get out of this. Great. Um, and then even in uh, like Kill a Kill. There is, you know, especially it starts off with so much, like, fan service. But then they really do kind of address that. They're, like, at least they try to explain, like, address it, you know, with the, in, the, in the scene, um, the, the episode where, you know, Ryuko's not really bonding with Senkats. And then she gives me a hard time. And I'm like, listen, I'll bear my breast for all to see. Like, I don't care. My intentions are utterly pure. Um, and, like, why the, it can't be touching you too much because then the like fibers will have too much control over you. So like in a way you're like, oh, well, at least they're trying to explain it, you know, and, and the whole way that, you know, Ragio's character is, you know, I don't think that moment is about incest, but I do feel like, you know, Ragio doesn't have any shame about the human body, you know, it, it, and, and her relationship with like life fibers and stuff. Like she doesn't have any like shame that she needs to like cover. She's barely covered. Like, so you sort of feel like, well, it's within her character and it's within their relationship. And, you know, which is why I don't necessarily see it as like an incest scene. Um, that's just like, like, like Ragio is like, you know, you, you wear your body the same way other people wear clothes. Like, it's just, it's nothing to her, you know, it doesn't even have value. Like the higher value is the life fibers. Like human body is just like, it's like petting a cat as far as she's concerned. It's like not even on the same level. So... I don't know, that's how I thought about it. Kind of scared to think what Ragio does to cats. All right. <laughs> know, right? You, you know. Probably the same thing. Probably the exact mm -hmm. same thing. You know, yeah. like, and also like she's a little out of touch. You know what I mean? Like she really feels that she's the you know this like chosen one, this like higher form, and everything. So like, and we and we we think we're like we're humans, and you're a dog, so we're gonna like. We're going to treat, like, you know, like, we're going to treat you certain ways. Like, we're going to roll you on, on your back and pet your belly. You know what I mean? You're like, you wouldn't do that to a hu another human being. But Ragio doesn't see people as other human beings. She sees them all as, like, pets and toys and playthings, you know? Let's ask the psychology major. What do you, what do you think, Darrell? Ooh, Lord, man. It was kind of like with Ragio at certain times, it was kind of a way of her showing dominance over Sasuke and everybody else. Yeah. You know? You know, just the point that she's like, I'm your mother, but I'm able to do this because I'm dominant over you. I forgot what the term was called, but in some way, you know, Ragyu, she kind of enjoyed it because she could actually do this. 
and get away with it. But it wasn't like necessarily, you know, I'm doing this in an incestuous way as um Carrie um you know say it. So it basically, you a, agree. You agree with me because I'm super. Yeah, smart. I was expecting a yes or a no, but all right. <laughs> come, come! I'm a freaking psychology major, dude. I am not gonna give you a simple That's answer. It's, it's never a simple answer, is it, Darrell? Uh, Why go simple? Be complex, mm-hmm. sir. And besides, I am smart too. <laughs> I are. He's not you. just pretty. He's also yes. smart. That's why we keep him around. Boosie. Oh, <laughs> sweet. Here you go, Boosie. <laughs> now, you mentioned that Saki's one of those characters that's, that's really going to stick with you. So what are some other characters that, because of the time in your life you were recording them, that are sticking with you still? Oh, well, um, Casca, just because she was my first you know, and just like learning all of that and really starting to, because it was also the time when I was really starting to, um, you know, uh, turn my love of acting into a career in acting. Working on Phoenix, that was also a really special time for me. Um, Kappa Mikey was just an awesome time. And I'm still really close with a lot of people in that cast. And, and it was just, that was, um, yeah, man, what else? Um, uh, um, doing Mokuba was also really, really a, a special time for me because I, it was like the first time I had done a, bo- a boy as a lead. It was like the first time working with Eric. It was, you know, my first like lead at, um, over at four kids. And again, that was like a big, so I feel like a lot of them are sort of like, you know, big, like growth moments, you know, markers. Um, so it's so funny to think about it backwards. It's, um, <laughs> I feel like there's another one. I feel like there's a major one that I'm like totally blanking on right now. Is it Mammy? No, I mean she was she was a big a big change for me in terms of like really starting to tap into this place where I was able to do these like mentor guide characters like these these more like motherly nurturing um, characters that I've that I have booked a lot since her. Um, so she was also like another she was a, a big role in terms of like my growth as an actor, but it wasn't necessarily like the time in my life that um, was so special like. I just feel like there's a lot of cha- there was a lot of changes in my life happening when I did Casca. There's a lot of changes in my life happening when I did Mokuba, and um, there was a lot of changes in my life happening when I recorded Phoenix, and also just that project I just loved and it was so beautiful and that was a Tizuka yeah I just one, loved right? doing that character yeah 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 and actually what's so what's so interesting is right now my theater company is doing a show here in Los Angeles called. Um, uh, Astro Boy and the God of Comics, and it's about Tezuka and and Astro Boy, but it's really about about his life, and it's it's so interesting. It's told it's like told in like twelve episode increments, told backwards from episode twelve to one, and there's like live drawing that happens on stage, and like it's just this incredible, awesome show, and and it's so funny to be like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy, because I, I actually had a chance to work on one of his pro- one of his projects, and it was so beautiful and. Yeah, but I didn't actually know as much. I learned a lot watching that play about him and about his work and, and just sort of how he worked, you know, and, and who he a little bit more about who he was uh, that I didn't know prior. I just knew that I loved working on that particular project. But I also feel like that particular project, like when I was working on that, there was a lot happening, changing in my life, a lot of growing that was happening in my life, shifting like where I was living and who I was dating, like all those big changes. Um you know, it's so interesting. And now that I'm looking back, I was like, man, is it just that like, is it just that like my relationships and my, my apartments change when I do these roles or like both those change when I do these roles, but that's why they stick out so much. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, cause I actually, um, I, um, 
I'm dating someone at the moment and I met him, I met him sitting on the plane on my way to um, animate Miami to the convention from LA to Miami on the plane. I sat down next to this guy and we started chatting and like, we're now in a relationship. You just broke everyone's hearts listening. It's like crazy. It's like, oh, oh, broke everyone's hearts. Yes, your pain fuels me, people. Broke Cry. Broke the hearts. Broke the hearts. <laughs> but I, like, how crazy is that? Uh, and the whole reason I was, I got invited to go to that was like specifically because of Kill I Kill. So I'm like, in a way, like I owe Satsuki my my boyfriend. <laughs> like, I owe my boyfriend to her. Like, it's so, it's totally weird. It's totally destiny. weird. <laughs> You're my density. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Oh, I mean, destiny. You're my that's, destiny. Uh, that's some bad pillow talk right there. <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's Back to the Future, or Back to the Future yeah. 2, or yeah. whatever. Which one was it? Was it the first one? It was the first one, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was the first one. It was the first one. Yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah. We, we still, wow, we still that's don't a reference have, from like 25 years we, ago. We still don't have the flying skateboards. I mean, come on. No hoverboards yet. I know. It was supposed to be like last year, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the deal? Man. But it is military is working on like a flying motorcycle, hover motorcycle. That sounds awesome. It's kind of close. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, there's so many. Like when I, when I read like Scientific Mind or like uh, the like those – what is the other one? There's Scientific Mind and there's another one. And there's like there all the stuff that people are working on that's like – it's insane. And like Virgin Galactic, like they're like space travel as tourism. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's insane. The, the, the stuff that people are trying to create and, 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 and build and manufacture and that they're like not that far off from product from like uh, prototype productions. You know what I mean? You're just like, holy crap. It's amazing to see how much everything's changed in the last 20 years. And to just think that like that progress is not slowing down and like what, what could happen in the next, in the next 20 years. It's pretty fascinating. What an interesting time to be yeah, alive. Like America just challenged Japan to a giant robot battle. Yeah, buddy. IPX is happening. <laughs> G Gundam is happening, Darrell. G Gundam is happening. Hey, all, hey. Like all, all, the, all the, your little fanboy dreams have come true. Yes, exactly. They're a reality. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be alive. It's a wonder, it is. It's a, it's a fascinating time to be alive. Like It really is. It really is. Like... And what kind of stewardship are we going to have, you know, as all these things happen, yeah. us as, as human beings, how are we going to like take care of ourselves and the planet that we live on al- alongside all, all right, folks, progress, let's not screw know? it up. Yeah. yeah, guys, let's not mess it up. All right. Try to be like, stay awesome to each other and, and be excellent to each other. Excellent to each be other. excellent to each other. Like, don't yeah. be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Paul, don't listen be a dick. to her. Listen, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the books you was talking about, I think it might have been uh, Physics of the Impossible by Dr. Kakamichio and The Future is Now because he wrote a, written a lot of books about that stuff. Well, I haven't read that book, but yeah. there yeah, it's, yeah. it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah, I got to be a part of a project. I can't talk about it yet, but I got to be a part of a project that's sort of related to this that's like I'm super excited about. Mm. Super excited about! 
Oh, I see. Why? Why you got? Why you got to tease us like I that? I know. I know. I know. I know. It's terrible because because these things take forever. So like by the time you go in and record them, and then by the it like and then it's like ten months later they come out, and you're like, oh, by the way, that's that thing I was telling you about that I did last March. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that's just like that's just the lens. That's just how long all this production stuff takes. You know. So sorry, dude. That's just how it but is. it's always like if I don't, if I don't, you know. But it always means at least it means that I'm like always got things going on. But the day that all of my projects I can talk about means that I haven't worked in ten months. So <laughs> I never want, I never want that to be the reality. That's fair. Uh, do you have any memorable recording booth stories that you'd like to share? Oh my gosh, there was something recently that I was like, ooh, I gotta remember this for when they ask this question. <laughs> and then I've already forgotten. I've already like, forgotten what it was. I was like, ooh, remember this, you gotta write this. I gotta write it down next time, make like a voice memo. Um, because it's so interesting. Like, a lot of times the stories don't necessarily translate because it's all about like what's happening there, what's happening on the screen. Like, it's just, it's such a spontaneous moment, like, or what's happening out there. And then there was one time where I was like, I was in, I was doing, it was, I was doing a video game, but it was one of those like long sections where you're, you're doing it line by line, but, or you're in a conversation with someone, but it's like, it's just like, there's something about it that's just more intimate or whatnot. And so, um, Wendy Lee was directing and she was kind of, she was reading me in, right. Just for this one section so that we, it could just start really like more easily feel like a conversation and, and, and whatnot. And at one point she started to read me and she's like, and there was some for the stuff to go there to tomorrow. Like it was like she like it was so jumbled, like so jumbled. I was like, I was like, oh my god, are you having an aneurysm? Like, what is happening out there? Did she just have a stroke? Like, it was you know, but it's like not as funny out of the thing. But then you know, of course, like the the the, the engineer had captured it, and then she kept like replaying it, and we were all like laughing and crying. Like it's just things get like crazy. You start to get like nuts when you're in the booth for too long, and especially if you're working on a longer project, and so you're in with the director and the same engineer and the same producer, like the same team, you guys just start to like, you start to get crazy. You start to have like all these callback jokes, and then you start to, and there's just, and then they play like bloopers from other people, and and you're just like, so it's like all that stuff, but it doesn't translate as a story outside, because there's too much context you have to give, and then the punchline is like never that effective, you know? And so the only thing is like, oh, it's always embarrassing when you like fart when you're doing a call out, you know, That's like, <laughs> because like, you're, you know, like the diaphragm, you're like pushing down the diaphragm and it's like inevitable. It's like you're a little bit that you're going to be like, and you're like, oh, did that? Did you hear that on camera on the mic? Did the mic pick that up? And like one time, like I was recording something and she like played it back and you could hear like a like you could hear the you could hear the. That happened. I was like, well, I, what do you want me to say? Like, I was calling out, they pushed down the diaphragm, and then, like, you know, and there you go. It happens. It happens. Did Sotsky ever, ever have some flatulence? Um, I don't know if Sotsky did. I mean, she must have because she yells so much. But I just feel like her, her yells were, like, so much more challenging. They were art. I feel like her yells were just more challenging because, like, they always had to be sort of controlled. So I think it happened less with her because – you're not like like pushing down and like gritting down in the same way because that's just not her character, which is what made it hard at first. Apparently, I like the farty characters better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then maybe that's a distinction I can make. But um, yeah, so and not so much with her. I think that like with her it was just you know, like just making the sure the voice doesn't like crack, you know, at all. Like never any voice crack, never any voice crack because it just translates as being like out of control. So. You got to watch that. You got to watch that. But I also was like, but in that one, I just like to be filthy. Like I loved, I love being like, oh, can I get one more? Can I get one more pass? One more pass? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. Put her in again. 
And then I would do something. I wouldn't even want to do another take. I would be fine with the take we had. But I would just like, I would, there'd be like something disgusting happening on stage that I'd be like, yes, I brought my tuna. Or like, you know, like that's how you get like a lot of the, um, the, the, the bloopers be like, my vagina, you know? <laughs> and basically like, I just, I was just always playing this game. I was just always playing this game of like wanting to like, it, whether or not I could get the producer Hiroe to like put her face down on her t- Like if I could make her like laugh or shock her or horrify her enough that she would actually put her face down onto her script. So if she stayed sitting up, I knew it was like not quite a, a like a goal. Like, but if she if her head went down, I knew it was like a home run. <laughs> so I used to play this game with myself, like whether or not I could do something that would be like surprising and inappropriate enough to get her to put her ha- her face down. Because <laughs> you you do you just like you just start to play these games with yourself when you're in there. Poor hero away, or you know, hero away. She's just she's got the most amazing life <laughs> yeah well and also like i used to think that i was bad and then i've heard bloopers oh. from like other from like other dudes in the booth and i was like oh i am i am like a i'm like a b b minus at best you know what i mean some of these dudes are disgusting are disgusting you know, like i'm always trying to like pay myself i was at a recording on last week and i was in there with a director i, I knew but had never he had never directed me before and a client that i'd never met but had I basically booked it because of mommy. He was like, yeah, this character's kind of like mommy from Marka. And like the producer was like, oh, well, we could just get her if you wanted. He was like, really? They're like, yeah, we'll just call her. And so they brought me in. Um, And I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that that was his frame of reference coming in. And I was like, I was like, hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? I was like crazy. And they're like, what's going on? I was like, oh, well, I just started my period. And it's like... (laughs) I was so sick this morning, but I took a little nap. I woke up and now I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like now that I'm like bleeding, now that like the bleeding's like really, st- I'm like just like now that's like, whoosh, now I feel better. It's like before it starts, you're like, ah, get this out of me. It's like too much built up entropy, like like or too much like built up energy. You gotta be like, get it out, get it out. But then once it starts, I'm like, woo, so I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And these guys are just all staring at me, like jaws dropped through the booth window. Like, um, we don't know what to do. She's been in the booth for two minutes. She's talking about her vagina and we're not really (laughs) sure what's happening. We're not really sure what's happening. So that was how I started that session. That was awesome. And then he's like, and then the producer's like, all of this, I just can't help but think is coming out of mommy's voice. (laughs) I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. I've just like ruined that show for you forever. (laughs) So, and I was like nuts. I was so nuts. I then texted like the, the, um, one of the, uh, producers in the other room who I love. And I was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, just so you know, I just took my bra off in the booth in front of all these dudes and none of them noticed. I'm like a ninja. <laughs> and she was like, cause it was bothering me. I was like, ah, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I started my period. My bra was bothering me. I took it off. They didn't, they didn't even notice. And she was like, Oh God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would fit in right right along with us on the yeah. podcast, no lie. Yeah, so that was they didn't they totally didn't know, but I'm like a ninja. I'm super I'm super slick about it. That's just you know, <laughs> it just makes me think of the civil and holy song when they're talking about I'm like a ninja, remove your bra without you even noticing. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're my fucking hero right now. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. 
Wow. Well, to be fair, I grew up with a, a, a pool in the backyard, so I got used to changing complete outfits under a towel. So it's like a skill set that's specialized. That That is a useful skill. It is. It is. You have no idea. Sometimes you just need to get the bra off, you know? You just need to – you can't deal with it I'm anymore. sure Darrell and I cannot relate, but – You're, like, trying to act. You know, you're trying to act, and the bra's in the way. You just got to be like, I can't deal with this anymore. It's making me crazy. I got to get it off. I don't even know why I wore the bra today. I – I know. I don't know why. I don't know why you were wearing the bra to begin with, but you were like, "This was a bad. This is a bad decision. Clearly, a bad decision. I gotta correct mm-hmm. it. Bra's coming off." Uh, yeah. Well, as this is a tsunami-related podcast, we have to ask the questions. Do you ever get a chance to watch tsunami? And if so, what shows on it have you enjoyed? I don't have cable. That is understandable. Uh, so there have been actually large portions of my life where I haven't had cable. And so like, even when kill, I kill was airing, we were just watching, uh, like I would, um, just put on the DVD and like watch along (laughs) for like when I was like live tweeting when it first started airing. So I would like know what was happening and be able to be part of the conversation. So yeah, I was actually, we were trying to figure out, um, organize, like uh, being able to like watch it at someone's place, but it plays so late. That it's like hard to be like, hey, can I come over to your house at twelve at midnight and like hang out on your couch and watch this TV show and then go home? Like it's a you know it's a weird thing to ask. So um, so I haven't watched. I don't watch um, I don't watch anything on cable. That's why everything. That's why I get into this trouble of binge watching on Netflix and HBO Go because um, and even the t- all the TV that I watch is online. So if it doesn't stream online, I can't see it. This is this is like a. a- a comedy bit because you just circled back to the pretty much the first thing you said. I know, right? Oh, no. I got all back to the beginning why I have trouble. And it might be also, you know, there was also like a like almost seven year period when I was living in New York and I lived in this really weird place and it could like I had trouble. I couldn't get cable in it. Like I couldn't get wired for it and all this stuff. And they had technicians come out and they were like, there was like I lived in a place where like they literally could not wire it for cable. And I was like, okay, cool, um, awesome. So I would just like have DVDs and stuff that I would watch on repeat. So I've seen The Incredibles, like no joke, more than 100 times. And Moulin Rouge and like Tombstone, like whatever things I owned at the time, like I watched those things uh, like over and over and over again. And I would just like go to like, you know, the video store and uh, or like or off of like Netflix when I used to like, they used to do the mail stuff, the mail um, order. I would just order television, like, you know, DVDs of television. I'd watch, like, four episodes of, like, CSI and then, like, return it and then, like, get a new thing. Like, I would just – that's how I would have to watch all of my stuff. So I didn't have, like, TV, right? So if I went out to, like, a bar or a restaurant that had televisions and, and there's no sound, right, because you're, you're at a bar, my friends knew that they had to seat me underneath the TVs, where there were no, so I couldn't see any of the televisions. Otherwise, I'd be in the middle of their like conversation listening to them, and I would like look over the shoulder, and I'd be like, look at the color box. All those <laughs> images are moving. It's so pretty. Like I would get distracted by televisions in public because I didn't ever watch it. So yeah, so, and I don't know why, but there's just, I feel like my life has been like, you have TV and you watch a lot of it for five years, and like you don't have television. Like I missed Seinfeld and Friends. Like I didn't have TV when those were airing. I don't, I've seen a, some, some of the episodes in, um, like, what do you call it, when they, when they re-air them? Syndication. Syndication. You know, like, I don't, and I've, I've barely ever watched an episode of Saturday Night Live because I, well, also I usually am working on, I used to work on Saturday nights all the time. But um, I've, until they started, 
like with the inner like posting stuff on the internet or whatever like if someone points out a specific sketch but like i can't watch saturday night live because it's live and i don't have tv like it's so it's so interesting this is why i'm like it's hard for me to stay like connected like popular culture because i have to work so much harder to like make it happen and find it and remember that it's happening to go find it because it doesn't just like automatically come into my living room you know without me having to hunt it down so the next show that you have to binge watch is all of seinfeld on hulu no 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 oh my god what is that seven seasons or something it's like crazy watch the show about nothing for seven seasons do it oh my gosh no way no no i can't i can't it'll ruin my life You'll you'll have so many quotes running around in your head. You just you won't even know what to do with it. But it is it is really fun when you finally do start to understand what everyone's been talking about. Yeah. Soon you will understand no soup for you. No soup for you. Oh no, the soup Nazi yeah. guy. Well, I understand that. I know that. I lived in New York, so I know that. Oh, okay. Just because I knew yeah. the actual. I knew the so I knew the source material. Right, because one, a lot so. of it comes from from the stand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm, it's the same right. way with Louis and other shows that comedians do. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be like, oh, I'm not totally lost. I'm not totally lost. <laughs> yeah, if you watch the acts, you'll you'll get most of the the really memorable jokes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or you just hear it enough and you start to like know that it's from that. You'll be like, oh, that's probably another Seinfeld reference. All right. Well, since we know you don't have cable. <laughs> <laughs> You're like throw out all throw, those throw out all those questions. Well, I can I can repurpose a question. So okay, I repurpose. Will repurpose a question. What are some shows out there that you would like to see get more exposure? Huh. Um. I don't know. I feel like I'm always the last to know. I'm like never on the cutting edge of like, ooh, everyone should watch this. Um. So that's a hard question for me. What do I feel like? It's hard get... to stay up to date well, with I anime. Think... There's another how many series every quarter. It's it's insane. I know, I know. There's 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 so there's there's so there's so much. There's so much. I mean, I'm just I'm a huge fan of like. Well, also I'm like a huge fan of Death Note, but I feel like a lot of people know about that. And well, but there's it. a new live action um, series in, in uh, come out. I know there's another one because they always just they keep making new things. But I also like I just loved I loved actually the manga like reading like actually reading. Like, I preferred the, it as manga. That was one of my favorite things. Yeah, there's just the way that it unfolds and the and the characters. And I just think you just have like especially in that story, you have so you have more time for like all the because what's interesting about that story is watching those two those two characters sort of like try to like hunt each other out or you know what I mean, sniff each other out or the strategy and the stuff and the and the space and the time that that takes that I think that is like unfolds in this like wonderful way throughout the like manga. That, like, anytime you translate into a series, you're going to, A, have less time and less, you know what I mean? You have to kind of, like, speed things up and, and whatnot. So I feel like especially that one, yeah. uh, watching them just, like, circling each other for so long, you know, is really is really satisfying. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, else? what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, I also, I loved Freedom. I just loved it. I thought, so I think it's just such a beautiful little series. And, and Phoenix, I also just... I loved that. Those are two that those are two that really stuck with me. Fantastic. Oh, did you see? Did you see that thing online where like BuzzFeed did like um, uh, people responding to watching anime for the first time? Yes. <laughs> oh my god! And they did Attack yes. on Titan, and, and oh my god! But they were like, <laughs> that was hysterical. Listening to them, they were like, oh my god, no, the mo- what? Like, oh my god, so funny, so funny. And of so course, funny. somebody said, that, like, "This is like Game of Thrones." <laughs> 
I know, right, right, right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of, I was like, so I hope that more people watch Attack on Titan and, and, and Kill a Kill from that just to be like, what are these crazy shows? <laughs> yeah. Um, so though I do feel like, I do feel like um, Titan is a little bit easier in some ways to like get into from right off the bat. Oh, I feel like sometimes Kill a Kill is, Kill a Kill is so weird right from the start and because of where it goes, like you don't really, it, it looks like it's going to be one kind of show and then it kind of like morphs and transforms so if you just watch like the first two episodes you're gonna be like what is this um so i think it's um it's it's harder you have to be like no no no, get through episode three and then see how you feel but attack on titan i think is like it it presents itself more like what you it presents itself better from like the get-go yeah it has a it has a really simple start that that can grip people right away yeah yeah so so so, yeah. But I always think it's so funny. And when I go to conventions, sometimes I ask the fans, I'm like, well, what was the first anime that you got in on or whatever? And, and it's so interesting to hear, like, what their friends showed them first. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, like, what they would show their friends first, you know, in terms of, like, how to introduce anime to people. You know, but just because the storytelling is so different and there are so many different types and styles, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if someone brought me, like, some bouncy magical girl show as, like, my first anime, I'd be like, <laughs> What is that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I would have, like, bought in in the same way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, the, you know, so I feel like that matters. Um, so I'm always, like, curious, you know. And a lot of people, like, um, Fooly Cooly is the one that, like, they use to, like, is the one that comes up a lot. That people say, oh, I, I showed my friend this or this is what my friend showed me. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And, like, and Bleach, what was it? It was, like, Fooly Cooly, Bleach. Full Metal Pretty Alchemist, much everything that's been on Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I say, yeah, like, because then I guess, like, maybe that's also why they're the yeah, definitely. Like, I, maybe that's why they get on Adult Swim is because they're the ones that, like, seem more accessible or something. Yeah, because somebody know. over there is paid to determine these are the shows that people are going to watch. <laughs> yeah, like, people might actually understand yeah. and be able to follow. And how great is it that Killer Kills one of those shows that they said, yeah, we're going to do that. I know, I know. When we found out, we were so excited. Like, what a, what a huge, huge. Because it is kind of a, it is, you know, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very anime show. Like, because they're also like using anime tropes and like poking fun at yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's like playing on itself. You know what I mean? So you kind of go like, ooh, let's see how people feel about this. You know? And I've had friends of mine who. You know, if they've watched some anime, they're like, oh, my gosh, yeah, and they're kind of, like, into it. But, like, other friends of mine who have never seen any anime and kind of, like, checked it out because I because I was in it, and they were like, oh, they're like, what is it? And my family was like, um, we're not sure we're going to be able to keep watching this. And I was like, <laughs> mom, that's 100% okay. Like, I get it. It's not the first anime I would have given to my mother. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't have been like, this, you should watch this and see how you feel. Like, I probably would have started her with something a little bit simpler. Yeah, my mom. My mom started out with Bebop, and then I showed her Black Lagoon, and she was like, "I love Black Lagoon." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at least like Bebop's like Bebop's like a not like it's also like it's not gonna like make you go like I don't like this. I don't want to. Ch- I don't want to check anything else out. Yeah, be- Bebop's. You know, it's not gonna turn you. Bebop's away. always a, a safe yeah. choice always because safe it's choice. it's approachable. Yeah. It's it's very Western yeah. feeling. It's got lots of Western yeah. culture in it. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, yeah. A good, so it's a, definitely. It really is. It's the show that you that you yeah. get people started on if they're at all interested in in pursuing anime. It's just it's the show you and do you it. Can't, it. Can't forget about the music. Oh yeah, either. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music yeah. speaks to the, people on a different level than probably anything else. 
and even just like the soundscape itself, mm-hmm. like the music and the just like the the mix and the silence yeah. and the mm-hmm. you know just everything about it. It's amazing how so much well silence matters, right? And you just not you're not used to that, especially mm-hmm. in car- in yeah. like animation, you know? Yeah. And that's why it kills me when a show comes over, gets adapted, and they decide to remove the silence and just kind of throw background music in. It's like, you're missing the point. Point. I have that. <laughs> and I know you've worked on some shows like that because you worked for four kids. <laughs> well, but I mean, but you have, but also like you have to sort of go like, well, what they're also like, they're going for children yeah. Saturday morning. You know what I mean? Trying and, to like, keep their attention. That's. You know what I mean? Like, so that's like, that's like a, that's like a children's format, you know? Somehow. So you kind of go like, okay, well, you got it. You got to survive in the, you got to survive in the medium that you're in, you know? Which by the way, that Ninja Turtles series is one of, if not my favorite cartoon ever. So I, I was delighted yeah, to hear that you worked on there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I was I'm like very late in the season. Cause it's like all like the whole, the whole series is like all dudes, yeah. you yeah. know? It's like all dudes. So I didn't get on until like season five or something crazy like that. It's like finally another female character <laughs> shows up. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty male heavy cast at Ninja Turtle show. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, what advice do you have to aspiring actors? Well, I think just like, you know, do do it. Do your craft. Work on your craft. Work on your craft. It's It's easier to be ready than get ready. You mm. know? And when... When opportunities come, you've got to be able to like show up. And I think that I think the biggest mistake that actors make is that they go like, "Oh, well, when I blank, then blank." Mm. And it's like that is not like get, like the only thing you can control is your instrument, is your craft, and the like. You're only as good as your choices. So you got like that's what you've got to work on. You've got to know how to how to navigate yourself and scripts and and whatnot, and and then like when you get so when that audition shows up, you can deliver. And then when you walk in the booth, when that audition happened, and then you walk in the booth, that you can deliver, because there are plenty of people who have to get who get replaced, you know, because it takes a lot of stamina and craft to be able to like do this and sustain it and keep a voice. And and I think that. Um, I think that like it all, it really comes down to like to how strong you are as an actor, and so like building that skill set, building that skill set, building that skill set, and so you know how to rely on yourself, you know. And and I think that and you know you can study and you can train. There's all these sort of opportunities, but like you also just have to like do it. You just like it's the one thing that like it's you know that ten thousand hours, right? Like you just got to do it. You, if you're if you're learning, if you want to be a rock star, you know you got to first learn how to play guitar, and then you got to start playing out in front of others and then at some point you're going to be like ready you know and so i think that like if you're if you're just if you're starting out like you just cannot lose track of like the basics you know everyone wants to be like oh i'm going to just make funny voices you're just like yes but if the voice doesn't sound like it's coming from someone with like a character and a point of view a character inside of circumstances with a point of view and an emotional life then like it's just a sound you know what i mean and and like it's not you're not you're not going to work. That's not, that's not, it's not going to be enough to work because there's other people who can do the voices and deliver everything else. So it's like, just, just do it, you know? And, and if you really want to do like on, on mic stuff, then you just, you've got to start like reading out loud, read out loud, put yourself on mic. Even if it's just like on your phone, 
or on your computer at home or whatever. Like it doesn't have to, you know, just reading a book out loud, a book of poetry out loud, read a comic book out loud, read the newspaper out loud, like whatever. And just like, just be like, you have to just be doing it. You have to be doing it and just like get these things to be second nature that they're, that it's happening, that you're on a mic, that you're reading, that you're hearing yourself back. Like, you know what I mean? Nothing prepares you for the next thing. You just have to be as prepared as you can and then like jump and like trust all of the like work that you've put in, all the foundation work you've put in. That's that's what you got to well do. Well said. You're welcome. <laughs> now, before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Oh, I have a I have a I have a uh, live action web series that has nothing to do with anime, but it's called Reasons I Don't Like Myself and Other Stories of Erratic Behavior. And you can find it at reasonsidontlikemyself.com or you can go to my YouTube channel, Carrie Garen. Um, it's like these just like little nuggets. You know, every episode title is exactly what you're about to see. So if you don't don't click if you don't want to watch exactly what that thing is called. <laughs> and um, I really made that because I just feel like sometimes, you know, all these things happen. You feel like you just feel like you're awkward and you're the only one that these things happen to. And you just kind of want to I just my chance to like normalize my experience as a human being in the world. And it's been great because I like put these out and then people are like, oh, my God, that's happened to me. Or I've done that or I've had that happen or I know what you mean. And it's just been a. Uh, so, like, my, my ulterior motive to just feel like I'm less of a weirdo has really paid off. No, that makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. And I like the weird stuff, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like stuff like episode one, that time I used a home remedy for a yeast infection. <laughs> Did you brew beer without it later? Episode two, that time I tried to have sex with a neck brace on. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is. <laughs> like, they are what they are. That time I tried a neti pot. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Like, you, so click or don't click, you know? But you'll see what happens. People call me crass at times. I love you, Carrie. BFF! <laughs> Damn right. You're <laughs> the B-Lou crude and crass. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we shouldn't take up any more of your time. This has already gone longer than I thought it would. <laughs> I know it's like a two-hour podcast. <laughs> People love those, actually. They, they, they love them. <laughs> well, good luck. Well, if they can get over all the racism. And yeah, things, I know, boy. That's. They'd be that's... like, is she just going to talk about racism in Game of Thrones uh, or what? What's the deal with this? <laughs> no, this trust is a me, weird trust way me. to trust me. It gets better. Interview. It gets better, it gets better, it gets better. All right, yeah, I got to head out to, uh, I got my next meeting I got to go to. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for your time, and it is mostly appreciated. Mostly? Yes, I'm using improper grammar and not using I was like, it's mostly, it's like mostly appreciated. Like, we don't know, we don't totally appreciate it. We just like mostly appreciate it. Like 80%, like 80%, like mostly, like mostly. You dick. You know, in the end, in the end, guess who ended up being the dick? Well, in that's the, the reason end, why I have the crane. Who ended up being the dick? It was like All mostly nice talking to you. It was like better than like going to like a root canal. You know what I mean? Like it was like, it was like pretty hey. okay. It was like pretty okay. I mean, I waited for an hour and 40 minutes to tell you that I wasn't enjoying myself. Oh. But. That's exactly what I do at a root canal. <laughs> All right, boys. Oh. I'm glad this finally worked out. Yes, and so are we. Thank you, Carrie. This has been awesome. awesome. Yes, All right, yes. have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.
there's no way around the human experience in terms of having obstacles and emotions. And hello, <laughs> Sketch Podcast. How may I direct your call? <laughs> I knew what's going on again. <laughs>